Welcome to The Swifterhood, a podcast all about Taylor Swift's lyrical genius. Whether you've known from her debut album that she's had a place in this world, or her folklore has become your evermore recently, we are here to faithfully and wholeheartedly deconstruct each song, lyric by lyric. Episode 206. Welcome back. Hello, Morgan. That was a little bit delayed. Oh. <laughs> I already introduced the episode. <laughs> so today we're talking about we are never, ever, ever getting back together. And sad, beautiful, tragic. Interesting pairing. I mean, they're both about the breakup, right? Yeah. Just two different takes on it. Yeah. One is like a angry, like spiteful one. And the other one's like a sad beautiful tragic one and you think it's for sure the same relationship i don't know but i think we will dive into it and i will find out what you think and then i can share with you what i think okay sounds good well do you want to start us off with the fearless feature sure so today we're just gonna i just wanted to briefly discuss um the importance of journalism obviously we choose a an organization every week and we have been doing that since we started this podcast but if you take a step back and think about how important it is to just have the facts correct that all comes from journalism and in this day and age with so many different news outlets and ways that people get their news you know journalism is called into question a lot and you know you've heard the expression fake news and everyone seems to to choose their news source based on their own political and um, cultural issue, uh, beliefs. And so I just wanted to highlight, we get all this information, how important it is to support journalism so that we continue getting factual information. Um, so in the book, Elements of Journalism, a quote is th- that the purpose of journalism is not defined by technology, nor by journalists or the techniques they employ. Rather, the principles and purpose of journalism are defined by something more basic, the function news plays in the lives of people. And like I just touched on, journalism is changing fast. Each morning, we'll, um, this this group is will send um, will send the best ideas and making news more innovative and sustainable in our need to know newsletter. So, and this is um, oh, did I put? where this oh my goodness i don't think i have <laughs> where i got this information um i think it's just the importance i think if you put in the purpose of journalism in the internet you will find this site that you can contribute to so that um real life journalism journalists are are you know getting paid to continue continue to sharing the news um so i guess what i just wanted to say after highlighting you know, the importance of journalism, what we wanted to say is just to encourage everyone to subscribe to a reliable news platform so that you can keep factual journalism alive. Just because the way that we get news these days, it's very easy to not subscribe to certain things and still get the opportunity to read these stories. But you have to remember that if we if we want to keep journalism going, we have to still pay for the news in some form. So just encourage you, you you, everyone has their favorite place to get their news, maybe consider um, subscribing to them. So that's all I wanted to say. Okay. So I can link the website when we figure out what it is, but (laughs) 
Sorry. <laughs> My question for you would be then, uh, what news platforms do you consider reliable? I mean, like I said, so everyone's going to have a, a different take. I consider NPR, National Public Radio, and uh, New York Times the best places to get my news source. I also think BBC is really a great mm-hmm. place to get news. Um, I was asking David uh, the other day about their, I mean, I lived there for a period of time. But Her I, husband is David. Yeah, sorry. Um, I lived there for to, in the UK for a period of time, which I know I've, I've spoken about uh, in past podcast episodes. But I never really watched the news when I lived there. And so one of our friends sent this this funny Twitter post about Boris Johnson, because there's a bunch of stuff going on with about Boris Johnson right now. If you if you have been following the UK news about how he had parties during lockdown and most of the country is enraged about it. And so when I saw this post, I was like, it was very obviously left leaning because Boris Johnson is from the conservative party. And I asked David, I said, hey, like, is this the type of is this the news source that everyone looks at? Or is this more of like a, um, you know, preference for liberal people? And he said, no, there's it's ITV News, which is basically ITV News and BBC are the only stations that have news channels in the UK. And they all just report the news. And I was like, oh, my gosh, how would how would our country be like we used to be like that? But now it's like Fox News is you know, you turn that on if you're a Republican and you turn on CNN or NBC if you're more or CNN if you're more middle ground and NBC if you're more left and you get different different news sources. And so, like I want to say, I mean, I just think that NPR and The New York Times does a very good job of covering stories in depth and not just giving you facts that you want to hear. So that's why they're my favorite. Yeah, I always think it's good to get news from different countries so that you can see different perspectives as well. Right. And instead of just being in your own bubble, it can get really toxic. And to hear an outside perspective can be really good. For example, so I listen to The Daily every morning on from The New York Times, and they just pick a story to go in depth about and this morning I was listening so this is we're recording this in February and the trial of for the other police officers that were involved with the George Floyd killing besides Derek Chauvin the three other officers that were on scene are being charged with um with aiding and abetting the murder Mm. and it was you know you initially hear this and you're like yeah of course they should be they should be charged charged and convicted of this but this story by the daily is doing a really good job at painting this picture of this one. um, One of the guys was a black guy and he was only his, it was only his third day as an actual officer. And he had previously been held back on on probation from becoming a full officer because his field training officer, Derek Chauvin said that he wasn't aggressive enough. And so Mm. if you think about that, and he had to change his ways in order to become a police officer, should he be held responsible? I don't know. But it's like the New York Times is presenting this side of the story that um, you wouldn't normally get that that analysis from, which I I appreciate. That's cool. So just to clarify, because I'm a little confused, what exactly does this organization do that we're going to be linking? I think it just highlights um, journalists for their good work and their investigation and it just supports the actual journalists that are doing that hard work that are going into the behind the scenes as opposed to um 
you know, well, not opposed to anything, but I also want to encourage everyone wherever you get your news to subscribe to at least one of those places so that they can keep delivering good news as well. Gotcha. Okay. And so they probably look into the journalists and see how accurate their information and stuff like that is. Yeah. So it sort of saves you a step from doing that. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get on into the first song, which is We Are Never Ever Getting Back Together. Oh, my goodness. So this was uh, the first single from the original Red album. And I think it came out. Do you remember what month it came out? (laughs) No. (laughs) Prior to the release. Was it like August of 2012? The album was out in November. Yeah. August, September, October. I don't know how how many months do people normally release. No, actually, wasn't the original uh, Red didn't that release in October of 2012? Oh, maybe. Yeah. So I think this was August. And the reason I, I know this is because I always, you know, this time of my life, I think I've said in the previous episodes was right when this album came out originally, I was just moved down from New York after taking the bar exam and was working on Obama's reelection campaign. And it was the first time that I'd been driving a car in like six years because I had been living in New York Oh, right. and the radio was on and this was her hit single. And I came down here in August and I remember hearing this song for the first time on the radio. Gotcha. Well, that sounds like it's accurate to me then. You have a really good memory for certain things. It has to like time of year and stuff. It has to like tie into my time of my life in order for me to remember it. Yeah. So it has to be selfish. Yes, it does. (laughs) Um, so the, so this was the first single and I think everyone agrees that it was, it was definitely a change, a shift from Speak Now. It didn't have the country vibes that her other Mm -hmm. albums had. And I think that this also, you know, because it was poppy played on mainstream radio as opposed to just country radio. Yeah, it definitely did. And it got a Grammy Award nomination for Record of the Year. And was her first number one on Billboard's Hot 100. I did not know that. So those are some of the accolades there. The hidden message from the original album was, When I Stopped Caring What You Thought. When I Stopped Caring What You Thought. Yeah, because then she's like, no, you know, (laughs) fuck off. Yeah. (laughs) We're not getting back together. And I'm sure, I feel like everyone has heard this story. The origin story, but we should still share it Let's go through it, because maybe not. Sometimes there's new Swifties, and I've gotten messages from people who have just started getting into Taylor Swift, you know? Yeah. quite Actually, quite a few. So she was already in a songwriting session, and she was with, uh, you know, her uh, co-songwriters, and a friend of her ex's came by and said, hey, and was mentioning that Taylor's ex had told him that they were going to get back together. And so when the friend left, she told the co-writers how frustrated she was because she'd already told her ex that they were never getting back together. And she meant it. And then one of her co-writers was like, we should make a song about that. And that's what they did. Um, so I did watch the original music video or the music video. And the, you sent it to me. But Aaron, you will be surprised that I had already watched it. No way. You'd already seen it? I had. This was the wait, one. In, wait, in preparation for a recording or like just in your life? Both. Because there's this like thing where you just haven't seen music videos. It is. But this is the this is one of them that I do remember seeing when it was released. Um, and I'd love to hear what your thought when you rewatched the music video, what what your thoughts were on it. Yeah, so I think that the music video has a sort of an indie vibe, Mm -hmm. which I think is her, like, you know, poke or jab at 
Do we um, all know who this song is about? Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah. Did you say that in your intro? Just I don't think I did. Yeah. So I think everyone, I think, I don't think there's many arguments that this is about Jake Gyllenhaal. So their relationship ended and was like, I guess he said maybe it would have worked if you were older, right? We know this yeah, now. We know this now from <laughs> the new release, the vault from the vault songs. Yes. And then after three months in the grave, so yes. <laughs> we will get to this song eventually. He comes back and he tries to get back together. And I guess they were on again, off again for a few times until finally she was like, no. So I really, I thought this video was cool. Oh, wait, no. The point of that was it's a reference to Jake <laughs> Gyllenhaal who loves indie music, right? Yes, yes. And so I think the aesthetic of the vi- video is intentionally trying to be a little indie. It feels very like Zoe Deschanel, like manic manic pixie dream girl like she's got like the glasses and like the cutesy little like well animals and stuff like that so the first thing i noticed when i was watching it again was the opening scene is so similar to the opening shot of the you belong with me music video she's sitting at a window with those horn-rimmed glasses on Mm. she's looking out like longingly at the window with those glasses but then at the end of the scene, obviously she's there's other people in in her room that she's looking out the window to, so it quickly diverts into a different direction. But I did find that juxtaposition interesting. That is interesting. I also no- remember that this video got a lot of praise because it's sort of one shot, like it follows. I don't. I mean, perhaps they did cut at some point, but it the camera follows the action the entire time if you watch it through, which makes it really interesting. What do you think the the um, reason or the thing behind all the dancing animals in the band was? So I, th- I really think it's just like it's like kitschy. Is that the word? Yeah, kitschy. Yeah. Like it's sort of supposed to be indie and like trendy, you know, which I think is her poking fun at him and also at the same time making her own cute aesthetic and um when they finally do pan to the guy that you know is the object of this song he is in a crowded nightclub it's very he's surrounded by a bunch of hipsters and i think this was around the first time that hipsters became an adjective Uh uh-huh and (laughs) and he was surrounded by a bunch of people he was using like an old school payphone which so it was obviously a hipster bar and he was getting pulled away um and i think that just you know, as we've been going through these songs, it's very significant because he had all these cool friends. He had all these cool things that he had to do. And she was just she was done with it. She didn't fit into that scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, done trying to be something that's like trying to be something. And then there was that cardboard cutout of a car that they're driving in. And I think, you know, we've had so many references to them um, specifically in All Too Well of them being in cars Mm. together and fighting. So I think that's another reference to Jake Gyllenhaal. Um, And then he I thought so during the bridge when she goes into I used to think that we'd be forever, Forever, ever. ever. (laughs) They're walking under like a heart in it. And it says happy days and happy days. And it's a sign. Mm -hmm. And he takes the guy takes the scarf off of his neck Mm -hmm. and puts it around hers. And they walk from like late summer to fall. And then they end in winter. Mm -hmm. And this was like this was the music video that came out first from this album from almost 10 years ago. And now we see so many of those visuals in her in the vault songs the timeline the of songs. their relationship yeah at the time though i remember being like oh that scarf like 
well after we got the whole album right like yeah. being like oh i guess that for her would have sort of been an easter egg yeah for sure at the time right i do i mean it's interesting because he's the one that's taking it off his neck and giving it to her but it's still a, a scarf so like you can't you can't miss that that n- note in that song that easter egg in that song Mm-hmm. Or in the music video, I mean. And there's that one picture of them from the paparazzi where she's wearing his scarf. Yeah. So it could be referencing that. And, um, and I just had one more thing that, I, and I don't know how this is going to play out because I have to use my phone, but I was on TikTok mm-hmm. <laughs> and and also my friend Gooba, hey Goobs, sent me this a while ago from the 1989 tour when she does that, the version of this song mm-hmm. and it's very rock. And I, as I've said from the beginning of this album, this album has taken when she re-recorded it's it's taken on this new rock vibe. Mm-hmm. And I just want to see if can I can I try to play it so that you can hear it on yeah. this because t- it's TikTok, so it, there's no copyright issues there. Yeah. Um. And I bookmarked it, so I, hopefully I can find where the bookmark is because I'm not very okay. While you're I, while you're looking for that, yeah, I will tell you one more thought on the music video, which is that. Um, have you ever heard of Lanka, the no. artist? She's uh, an Australian artist who was popular around this time of when this album came out. And she has a music video called The Show. Okay. That I can show you later. Okay. <laughs> after we, you know, finished recording this episode. But I see a lot of similarities in just the clothing, the little animals, like the way that it's shot actually i'd be curious to see which one came out first but i think this was kind of a popular aesthetic for the time you know what i mean right as well as like i said that punchline for for jake gyllenhaal well i would love if she made a version of this like because i this to me is such a cool sound hold on if it's it's loading sorry guys so, Lanka's The Show was released in 2008. Three, two, one. One last time. Oh, shoot. I think I've seen this, though. Yeah. Is it? Is it just pause because it's loading? It's loading. I've been seeing that go around too. I forgot about it. I have chills. It's just such a, it's such a cool version. Like it's so rock and heavy and it's like, (laughs) love it. Which plays into the theory that we can talk about at the end. At the end, I know. Okay. Okay. So that's, that's my stuff to start out on. We are never getting, ever getting back together, but I think it's time that we, uh, we went through the lyrics now. Yeah. Unless you have anything else to add. Uh, no, I just think overall, this seems like it's the healthy side of a relationship, like at the end and at the end of the healthy side, the healthy side of the end of a relationship and sort of when you know your worth. But looking at I remember makes me wonder how many times she says I remember in music. I'd like to see one of those like Taylor statistic things where it breaks down. Yeah, that'd be cool. We could do it. But we start off time to do that. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Morgan. Yeah, let's go do some research. Is it not already enough that you I have know. three children and full-time job and a podcast? 
I remember when we broke up the first time saying, this is it. I've had enough. Because like. We hadn't seen each other in a month when, when you, you said, said you needed space. What? <laughs> and she references that space in, um, is that the, uh, I bet you think about me. Because I asked listeners if they had thoughts on different songs. So Grace wrote. We are never getting back together as the sister song to I Bet You Think About Me. Everyone keeps commenting on the twin lyrics about indie records and concerts, but I've never heard anyone point out the twin lyrics between we hadn't seen each other in a month when you said you needed space. What? And Mr. Superior Thinking. Do you have all the space that you need? Yeah. So thank you, Grace, for sending us that. Yeah, because it's definitely like that. I remember when I first heard um, the the I Bet You Think About Me, that came to my mind instantly was the the word space. And I was like, that has been in what we are never getting back together. So I guess, Grace, you I probably should have paired those two songs together when I was making this. But you live and you learn. Um, Then you say, then you come around again and say, baby, I miss you. And I swear I'm going to change. Trust me. Remember how that lasted for a day? I say, I hate you. We break up. You call me. I love love you. you. It's just it's just so lyrically sound the flow yes so the best part i think about this song is like her cadence of talking and how conversational it sounds and it sounds exactly like what she was saying in the recording studio like a conversation with a friend yeah and yet she somehow was able to produce it to make it a song which is awesome for her to be able for her to be able to say because like yeah because like you know, it's exactly as you would be talking to a friend. Like, I could say this to you. Like, Morgan, I remember when we broke up the first time. Yes. I was saying, like, this is it. I've had enough. We hadn't seen each other in a month when he said he needed space. Yeah. And then you'd say, what? What? <laughs> <laughs> it's like exactly a conversation. And you it. can totally like, I mean, I don't know. I haven't ha- been in a relationship exactly like this, but it's totally you can you can imagine that that's those conversations. I've had similar conversations where it's like, mm-hmm. okay, we're breaking up. Okay, yeah, we're going to get back together again. Okay, yeah, we're breaking up. Yeah, we're going to get back together again. This is ridiculous. And then it, you change, the person changes for like a day. And then that's it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and also that we hadn't seen each other in a month when you said you needed space is one of those like bullshit excuses. Yeah, I know. That someone gives in a relationship, you know, and it could be something different. But for this example, you're like, yes, everyone has known someone who's had some type of like bullshit reason for breaking up or separating. Right. All right. Well, then you come around again and say, baby, I miss you and I swear I'm going to change. Trust me. I already said this. Oh, you already said it. Yeah. We're on we the already went page. all the way through. Um. So then the pre-chorus is, you know, ooh. Sing it right into the mic. Nope. (laughs) And we called it off again last night, but this time I'm telling you, I'm telling you. And then it's the chorus. We are never, ever, ever getting back together. What did you think about this? I think the wheeze in this chorus versus the original (laughs) is very, very different. Oh, really? Yeah. It goes, we, it sounds a bit more like hysterical almost in this version. Oh, wow. Okay. So several thoughts. First, I think I'm telling you, I'm telling you like as pre-chorus 
it gets more like emphatic as it goes until like it's rising frustration, right? One of my favorite parts about this song is the wee. And I guess what you're saying is instead of it going higher, it sounds lower? No, I think it's just more pronounced. It almost sounds like more kishi than the original. Mm-hmm. Which I think it that's just because it balanced up against her, her voice now and her sound and how it sounds a bit like the production is a bit rockier. The mm-hmm. wee is a, is a bit heightened or something. I can't explain it. But when you, the two compared, I feel like in the first version, her original version, the wee kind of just was fluid. But now it's like, it just, I don't know. I can't. Like you can hear the rise more yes. dramatically. Yes. Okay. Well, I'll have to listen for that. I did listen to Side by Side, all the songs that we have paired. Okay. And I didn't really hear any differences in this one. Okay. Okay. Well, taking it back a second, I wanted to say my favorite lyric, which was, um, I say, I hate you. We break up. You call me. I love you. That is a good lyric. I just like it's like the little chunks and bits and how it flows and it's a conversation and I like the juxtaposition of um, I hate you. I love you. Yeah. No, it's a good one. It's not my favorite, but it is a good lyric. All right. Well, you want to keep on going with that? We, I think there was a one line in the chorus that we didn't actually say. Yeah. You go talk to your friends. Talk Talk to your friends. Talk, talk to my friends. Talk to me. Yeah. But we are never, ever, ever getting back together, like ever, which is important to read because it's how you talk, right? You go talk to your friends, talk to my friends, talk to me. So this is just all that back and forth of, yeah, he said, she said. And what the, you know, how she came up with the song in the first place was his friend was talking to her. Also interesting. They don't have friends united. Yeah. Well, your friends, my friends. I think that's become very clear through these songs that that's one of the main reasons is they just their lives were very different. Right. All right. Well, verse two, I'm really going to miss you picking fights and me falling for it, screaming that I'm right. And you would hide away and find your peace of mind with some indie record that's much cooler than mine. I love that line. (laughs) What do you like about it? Just it's just such a. It's just such a slap in the face. Yeah. Like, it's just such a good insult that's like, you know, that's much cooler than mine. Like, such a mocking. Do you said that to her? I'm sure he said that to her. What a little... Mm. I'm sure he did. I'm sure, like, in one of those fights, like, picking fights. Can you fights. imagine saying to Taylor Swift? No. Like, I don't like your music as much as this other music. Like... And while you're dating her? While you're... <laughs> what an idiot. I know. <laughs> um... But I so I'd say that that's with some indie record that's much cooler than mine or the two and you would hide away and find your peace of mind with some indie record that's much cooler than mine is my favorite because mm-hmm, you like the slam I do all right well you called me up again tonight but ooh, 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 this time I'm telling you I'm telling you and then it's the chorus again and then some more choruses oohs and ahs and yeahs. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's the bridge, which I used to think that we were forever, ever. And I used to say, never say never. Justin Bieber. <laughs> <laughs>
And then she she does her whole talking thing, which we've we've discussed that this whole song sounds kind of sounds like she's talking, but this right. is like her legit talking. It breaks into just a recording. Yeah. Like it sounds like she's just sitting around with friends, maybe in that actual session, yeah. or they're recreating a the moment session. that happened, right? Ugh. So he calls me up and he's like, I still love you. And I'm like, I just I mean, this is exhausting, you know? Like we are never getting back together. Like ever <laughs> okay so i love first of all how when she does his voice she makes it like kind of like a man voice She's i know like, i still love you i still love you <laughs> like making fun of him <laughs> yeah. um do you like the recording being in the middle of this like do you like that I sound do. i do i know a lot of people that don't like mm-hmm. a lot of critiques of when songs have talking in it as opposed to music but with taylor it's perfect right I wonder, I, I mean, and it's it's definitely not her fault. Like, she should be able to make the music that she wants to make. And this song is freaking phenomenal. But it, it does make me think this is one of those songs that gave her the reputation for being a petty, a petty girlfriend, like, ex, whatever. Yeah, I, I get that. We know that that's not the case with her. This is just like... You know, I mean, because like we said, like we have all sat around and talked exactly like this. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not fair to single her out and say she's the petty one when she just is the one that's adding it to a song, whereas every single person in this world has had some sort of conversation like this. And it's super relatable. Yes. Um. All right. So it goes back into the chorus. And then she but well, what we missed is she screams no (laughs) before she goes into the chorus, which is probably important because she had said in the last part, like, you know, this time I'm finally done. And after this, it's like she's really she's breaking it off. Um, And then we go into the outro, which is repetition of parts of the chorus again. So what is your um, album rating of this song? My album rating is number eight. Okay, mine's 13. Oh, spot on. (laughs) And your overall? My overall ranking of all Taylor Swift's discography, except the bonus tracks from this album, or um, vault tracks, is number 86. So mine's 72, which is interesting, isn't it? Yeah, that yours ended up higher on your overall. Yeah, it just shows you that I love all of these songs on the album. So to put it as like 13, like that, I just think it's such a strong album. Yeah. It's hard to even. So, but then it still obviously ranks pretty, pretty still high in her whole discography. I just want to say one last thing about this song, which is it's one of those ones that for diehard Swifties, when they put it on at a party, it's fun to dance to, but you're also like, she has so much good music, you know? I completely agree. Like, I love this song and I can look at it and say, like, I, you know, I can separate myself from the fact that it's like, you know, such a hit. But I agree when it's played and there aren't, it's played when there aren't Swifties and everyone's just like, oh, this this is what they know her for. It's frustrating. Yeah. I I almost feel like I don't enjoy it in group settings as yeah. much as I would on my own. Right. No, I completely agree. All right. Well, any last thoughts or you want to move on to song number two? Let's go on to song number two, which is Sad, Beautiful, Tragic. This song is so good. Do you love this song? Yes. See, okay. Interesting. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about it now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so Sad, Beautiful, Tragic. 
is a song that Taylor wrote in 2011 in the middle of her tour bus. In the middle of her tour bus. That's a weird way to say that. There's a few like, I don't even know how to say it, weirdly worded things from Lyric Genius, which is what I'm reading from, FYI. In the middle of her tour on the bus, probably. Uh Uh-huh. After a show for the Speak Now World Tour. Some people assume that the song is about Taylor Lautner, but others think it's about Jake Gyllenhaal. So it's probably Jake. Yeah, it's one of them. Which is why you said you put these together. Yeah. So lyrically, the song is about, you know, um, a sad, tragic, beautiful love affair and feelings that come along with it. Taylor told Billboard, sad, beautiful, tragic is really close to my heart. I remember it was after a show and I was on the bus thinking about this relationship that ended months and months earlier. The feeling wasn't sadness and anger or those things anymore. It was wistful loss. And so I just got out my guitar and I hit on the fact that I was thinking in terms of rhyming. And I rhymed magic with tragic, changed a few things and ended it with what a sad, beautiful, tragic love affair. I wanted to tell the story in terms of a cloudy recollection of what went wrong. It's kind of the murky gray looking back on something you can't change or get back. So I, I, everyone seems to think, because I, I found some information also that it's like Hall, I guess, joined Mumford and Sons and Old Crow Medicine Show on their railroad revival tour. Mm-hmm. And the hidden message in this is while you were on a train. So that's why people think that it's Jake Gyllenhaal. So, but here's me like just thinking of other alternatives. I, I, th- I think it could also be um, John Mayer. And the reason I think that is because the way that she describes it as a love affair, because I, I secretly also think illicit affairs on folklore is about John Mayer. Uh, so I just, that's why I kind of... It goes to my head. I don't know why I think like that, but that's just what Wait, I think. So about. you think it's an actual affair? No, because I think the way she describes illicit affairs is like she it's something that she shouldn't be doing, not not per se an affair with a married person, mm-hmm. but just something that she knows in her head like that she shouldn't be partaking in because mm-hmm. all of her friends, you know, she hides it from her friends. She hides it in illicit affairs. And so that's why I kind of think it's John. John Mayer that Illicit Affairs is about. So then when she calls this a love affair, that's where where I'm drawing that connection. But I'm also like, this is based in nothing but my personal opinion. So. Okay. Well, I value your personal opinion. <laughs> um, I wanted to read the definition of affair, which I sent you last night. Yes, you did. <laughs> Out of context, people are like, what? <laughs> what's going on? Noun, an event or sequence of events of a specified kind that has previously been referred to. So sample sen- example sentences here. The board admitted responsibility for the affair. I wanted the funeral to be a family affair. So it could be just an event of a certain sp- that's previously been referred to or a specific event. A matter that is particular that is a particular person's concern or responsibility. Example sentence. What you do in your spare time is your affair. Okay, affairs, plural, matters of public interest and importance. Mm -hmm. Example, commissions were created to advise on foreign affairs. Affairs, business and financial dealings. His time was spent in winding up his affairs. Okay, um, second definition there, a love affair. His wife is having an affair. 
Um, and that in that context, they don't explain it, but it's what you think of as the classic definition of affair, which means like in a marriage not being faithful. They just said his wife is having an affair as the example sentence. I thought that was a crappy example sentence. <laughs> so those are possible definitions of affair, which I thought was interesting because it doesn't seem to me like it's a literal affair. No, but it's just, it's an event. You know what I mean? Like she's saying, or and, like an adjective. Like, And that's why I think drawing back to, I know this is not a folklore talk, but drawing back to illicit affairs, I don't necessarily think she's speaking about an affair or else she wouldn't have to describe it as an affair where you're having, you know, relations with someone that's married or else she wouldn't have to say illicit. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's just, it's something that's happening. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I like the definition that said matters of public interest. Yeah. Because her whole life is public interest. Public interest. Yes. All right. Well, let's get on into it then. Long handwritten notes deep in your pocket. Words, how little they mean when you're a little too late. I stood right by the tracks, your face in a locket. Good girls, hopeful they'll be, and long they will wait. So tracks, I mean, obviously she's, you know, the hidden message was while you were on a train. So this is like, you can kind of just visualize her pulling or the person being on a train and pulling away and she's standing on the tracks, like saying goodbye. Long handwritten notes deep in your pocket. I am thinking it's from the other person. They wrote her letter. Oh, really? Because I used to think it was deep in your pocket. I used to think it was talking to that person deep in your pocket. Yeah. I don't know. But then words, how little they mean when you're a little too late. Would it be her letter that her words were too late? No, it would be his letter, right? His words were a little too late. You know what I mean? Yeah. But the reason that you think she's talking to him is because she says your face in a locket in the next line. Yeah, which goes back to what? Isn't Run have something about the locket? There's a lot of objects in that song. Um, She likes to talk about lockets a lot. I wonder how many she's actually had with boyfriends my guess is probably none (laughs) but it's just it's a good it's a good like romantic romantic thought image yeah and because it also plays on the secrecy of it because you're it's obviously a closed locket so no one else knows what's inside of it Mm -hmm. except for you unless you open it and show someone yeah i feel like in real life it'd be a little creepy if you had been dating someone for i don't know several months and then you had a locket with their face in it like what, what do you think? Like, in real life, if you had this, it would be a bit weird, right? Yeah, I think so. Like, I, I feel like a locket with someone's face in it is more appropriate when it's like a family member or something. Yeah. Not like... Or someone who's passed away. Your significant other. Yeah. Um. So, good girls, hopeful they'll be, and long they will wait. Now, I could be wrong. Okay, I've been wrong before. Yes. But earlier, (laughs) to create a visual for you, whilst I was showering, I did do that before you came here. I didn't. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I didn't shower the day before, so (laughs) you wouldn't have liked that. Um, I thought I noticed that she said, good girls, hopeful they'll be, and long we will wait, which 
She does say later on in the song, but from the first verse, I thought she said that. I should have verified before we started recording, but that could be a potential difference. Good girls hopeful they'll be and long they will wait is what, yeah, the lyrics say, right? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. And you're saying because it changes to we will wait? Yeah. It changes later on. Interesting. But I thought in the re-record she said we from the first one. Oh, okay. Yeah, we should have listened. Mm, sorry. Um, and I guess that kind of means like, you know, good girls tend to be naive. And here she points out that they fall in love like easily and often. You keep hoping that things yeah. are going to work out and waiting on the person to change or mature and it doesn't happen. Right. All right. Well, we had a beautiful magic love there love affair uh, what's going on with these lyrics i don't know i did not put these lyrics in these were done by you previously and <laughs> i did not delete them <laughs> they're so <laughs> sketchy aren't they sketchy is yeah. that real we need to pause and look this up yeah because where is it where are you reading we had the first course oh, we had yeah. a beautiful magic love there no it's love affair or maybe not are we sure it could be. Oh, let's pause. Let's pause. We did our research, mm-hmm. and uh, it does seem that there is differences. So, in the original version, she says we had a beautiful magic love affair, mm-hmm. love affair, and in the re-record, it says we had a beautiful magic love there. Mm-hmm. Breaking news, y'all. Don't know what the significance is. We can all guess, but... I think she probably just didn't want to say affair twice. Yeah, maybe she was just like, that was a bit redundant when I wrote this originally. I'm just going to switch it up. Right. And also, I was wrong. She does say they in the first verse. Yes. Uh, I also forgot to mention differences that I noticed. There's a sound that plays at the beginning of this song that kind of sounds just like a high pitch. Okay. Slowly before the guitar starts that I don't really hear. In the new one? No, that I don't really hear on the old one. Oh. I mean, I'm sure it was there. I think it's just one of those things where like. The the tone is different. So it's more heightened now. Yeah. Or it's just better quality on the sound, you know. Okay. Well, let's get back into the lyrics then. Small detour. Um, So we had a beautiful. We had a beautiful magic love there. What a sad, beautiful, tragic love affair. Um, I do really like the magic, Um, tragic. um, Yeah, Magic Johnson's Tragic Johnson. (laughs) This is an inside joke between me and Morgan. (laughs) I mean, not really an inside joke. No. We play on a trivia team together sometimes at our (laughs) local pizza parlor, (laughs) which is like one of the only bars to hang out at in town. And the team that always wins is Magic Johnson's or no Magic. Yeah. Magic, Magic Johnson's, Johnson's Tragic, Tragic Johnson. Johnson. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. So in dreams, I meet you in warm conversation and we both wake in lonely beds, different cities. Okay. Did you not just get like cocooned with like warm feelings of how beautiful that imagery was? Yes, it is very beautiful imagery. It's just I, too, I just am like. This the song just is it. I just wanted a bit more fast. Mm-hmm. I do think the guitar is played a little bit quicker in the new version. Okay. I think the melody is sped up a little bit because it's like I 
I understand the love that people have for this song because it is a beautiful song. I just think that it, for me, whenever it comes on, it's just a, it just drags a little bit too much. Mm. Mm-hmm. Maybe the ADHD. That's probably it. <laughs> um, but I do. My favorite line is, and time is taking its sweet time erasing you. Oh, wow. Okay. Because I have beef with that line. What? Wait, wait, wait. I want to say, though, I think the fantastic thing about this song is that it's like nail on the head with what she described it as um, wistful loss. Yeah. Which is such a specific emotion. And I feel like her gift is pinpointing like the nuances of emotion. And I saw a, a Tic Tac recently where someone was talking about the way like with traditional binary gender norms, men are raised to not really think about emotion as much. And so when they do express, express emotion, it's more along the lines of like sad, angry, like in the basic terms of emotion. Whereas women are, you know, I guess just told it's okay or encouraged to explore more emotion more. So I think that, well, the video was arguing that one of the main reasons why more females tend to like Taylor's music other than just, you know, you like female vocals is we have this breadth of understanding of specific emotions. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes complete sense. I mean, that's definitely why she's one of, she's my favorite artist is because she does, she describes emotions that I have that I can't write. Didn't know that you had. Right. Well, I knew I had, I just couldn't put it into words and she's able to put it into words. And so, yeah, when you explain it like, you know, wistful loss, like, or she explained it like that and you alerted me to that explanation, (laughs) it does, it does make me appreciate the song a bit more and I should maybe give it a, another another try with this in mind which mm-hmm. is why I love doing this is because you know I, I I walk away from these podcasts being you know uh thinking that I know everything about her songs and and taking a different take on it so thank you you walk away from them thinking that yeah I walk away from these podcasts being like oh I thought well, I go into him thinking I know everything a- about this song and then I oh. walk away being like, actually, no, I didn't really think about it that way. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so time is taking its sweet time erasing you. What is your beef with this? I love <laughs> this lyric. Why does she need to use time twice? I mean, because it, it, how else do you say time? <laughs> I don't know, but I think there could have been... The alliteration is key here because it's and time is taking its sweet time erasing you. Like, think about that is like so perfect. That's perfection. no, it's a beautiful feeling. And it like, I love it, except that it just mildly irritates me that interesting that that's what irritates you about this song. Perfectly. <laughs> like, why did I say perfectly that you it just seems like she could have found another word in lieu of time. Well, so I think she also says this, the same thing essentially in All Too Well, and I'm not going to remember the exact lyric right now, but it's um, it's in the bridge. Oh, this is going to kill me. I know these, if I it was on, I would know it immediately, but because I'm talking about this song. Just I, say it, and I can help you get there if you need So it's help. when she's saying basically like, um, time isn't moving fast enough. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm like? It's that lyric that's like, I can't forget. Time is not moving fast enough. I can't forget you fast enough. Mm-hmm. 
because of your flannel shirts yeah i can't think of it either Either, right (laughs) so but that's essentially what she you know she's reusing that emotion with and time is taking it sweet time erasing you i will find it right now okay but time is taking its time yes like think it through a little bit it doesn't make a lot of sense time won't fly yeah it's like i'm paralyzed by it better way to express time is taking its sweet time erasing you same sentiment yeah i love the sentiment i just it time is taking its time doesn't make a lot of sense to me but i love the sentiment and i really love the song and i think i probably like it more than you you do <laughs> so okay so anyways and you've got your demons and darling they all look like me this is amazing Okay, why is this amazing? I just, I think this... Is this your favorite lyric? No, well, I, I don't even... I don't even know if I marked one. I don't think I marked one, but... Oh, no, I did. Oh, okay, well, I've lost my paper, but You've Got Your Demons and Darling, They All Look Like Me also sounds like a line you could have pulled from, like, a punk rock song. Yeah, no. Or, like, a screamo song. Yeah. You know what I mean? But in Taylor's world, it's... super romantic and i also just like when she says darling demons and darling but your demons look like me it's like those are all your past things that are haunting you i don't know i just like it no it's good i it is it is a good a good lyric so then it's um the chorus again because we had a beautiful magic love there what a sad beautiful tragic love affair and then the bridge distance timing breakdown fighting silence the train runs off its tracks kiss me try to fix it could you just try to listen hang up give up and for the life of us we can't get back it's a great bridge yeah it's phenomenal i am so glad you think so because i don't want to have to try and prove it because i'm not often articulate enough to do so because she's just cycling through the relationships downfall yeah and it's just a list of nouns in the first line distance timing breakdown fighting but you have a complete image of everything that happened and it's just four nouns and there's something about this but i mean i i realize that all song is essentially poetry all songs are but this specifically like you could the way that she delivers it is is very poetic in the mm-hmm. sense that it's it's almost spoken instead of sung right and then silence the train runs off its tracks so it's not they're not complete sentences here and there's times when she does have um, you know, parts of sentences and it sort of bugs me, but in this one it just works perfectly. Right. To have these fragments here. And it's just like you're getting flashes of what happened, you know, by having these fra- fragments. It's like you're having a supercut, like a movie where it, you know, supercut is like you know, where it's sort of like a flashback or like, you know, a supercut would be like they're getting ready for in Dirty Dancing, they're getting ready to dance and it's just like cut scenes of them learning the dance do you know what i mean yeah so this is how that feels like to a me. montage yes exactly so hang up give up for the life of us we can't get back for the life of us we can't get back is my favorite lyric okay i found it that's good <laughs> because i think that's the whole sentiment of the song is like sometimes you things don't work out and you're super sad about it, but there's still love there, you know? Yeah. It's that bittersweet feeling of like, this can't work, but I'm still uh, like, I still feel for you, but 
it, it just can't work. We can't get back to what we were. All right. A beautiful magic love there. What a sad, beautiful, tragic, beautiful, tragic, beautiful. And it almost sounds like her voice there is like cutting off like she's going to cry. Yeah. Sad. Be- yeah. It's totally different in the way this song is delivered than the last one, which was like a conversation. Yes. So what's your overall rank? Or no, sorry, your album album ranking. This is number six on the album for me. Wow. It's 17 for me. Oh, <laughs> brutal. <laughs> and overall, it's 160. Oh, wow. Okay. It's 66 for me overall. Okay. Wow. Wow. So that comes, that brings um, the songs to a close for this episode. So we are now moving on to our Tell Me Why. Tell Me Why. I will not do that theories. And we decided to to talk a little bit about this this theory that's going around that there was a missing album in between um, 1989 mm-hmm. and Reputation. Mm-hmm. And the name of that album uh, that everyone thinks is missing is called Karma. So I'm going to break down what um, the this individual on TikTok whose name is Thrifty Swifty. Mm-hmm. She the put Thrifty Swifty. The Thrifty Swifty. She put together this theory and I'm just I'm gonna break it down instead of playing it so that we can discuss it. Mm-hmm. So in April 2016, just two months after um West, so Kanye West released Famous, which is the song on which he calls Swift the B word and says he made her famous, Swift did a Vogue 73 questions interview. In it, Swift was asked what do you think is the most important life lesson for someone to learn? Without missing a beat, she responded that karma is real. She looked directly into the camera and smiled. Of, of course, fans believe that she was speaking to West, but it also seemed to confirm that Swift's theorized sixth album, known to fans as Karma, was real. Swifties didn't have to wait long for the singer to add fuel to this fan theory fire. In her Look What You Made Me Do music video, Swift makes many references that have been used to support the karma album theory according to one this tiktoker swift confessed that she used countless easter eggs throughout the reputation era as her way of communicating with fans when she wasn't going doing press so it's even more important to go through the time period with a fine-tooth comb in this video we see swift spray painting reputation over a grounded airplane that has ts6 written on the side which fans have come to interpret as representing her supposed sixth album Karma being halted and replaced with reputation instead. Mm-hmm. Look what you made me do. The first song Swift released after her year in hiding includes the lines, the world moves on another day, another drama, drama, but not mm-hmm. for me, not for me. All, All I, I think, think about, about is karma. Ooh. By the release of her seventh album lover in 2019, Swift was still drop dropping Easter eggs for karma enthusiasts in her self-directed music video for the man, which was released in 2020 Swift staged a scene that lives in every Swifties head rent free. This infamous scene features a subway station wall covered in graffiti of all of her album titles. Fans frequently reference this moment in the video, especially since they believe it tells us the order that will get her re-recordings, but there might, but right there in the middle of the screen and all of her other album titles is the word karma written in all caps by including this word among all of her other albums fans only became more convinced that karma was real in addition to this <laughs> karma is real yeah. i love that that becomes the theory <laughs> yes. 
In addition to this, karma is written on the wall twice along with 1989. For this reason, fans think that 1989 and karma could be a double album release. Karma is also written in orange in its second iteration, which fans traced back to a scene and look what you made me do when Swift is dressed in orange and trapped in a birdcage, suggested that there was something trapped. Finally, there's another reference to Karma on Swift's latest album, Evermore. In Willow, the first single from the album Swift Drops, I Come Back Stronger Than a 90s Trend. This line, a bit gimmicky, has always stood out to me compared to the rest, or stood out to this person compared to the rest of the more poetic lyrics in the song. Now fans are connecting it to Karma, which is theorized to be a 90s rock-inspired album. Mm. In the Willow music video, Swift looks knowingly at the camera while she sings this line, opening up a trap door. By the time Swift released Evermore, she had gotten involved in another feud with Scooter Braun over the ownership of her masters, which resulted in her plan to re-record her earlier albums so that she could own her own music once and for all. We all know this. At this point, Swift knew that she would be going back through her discography and releasing never-before-heard songs. If this line actually does reference Karma, she's telling us that it's coming back stronger than ever. Shortly after Swift's feud with Braun went public in 2019, she performed at the American Music Awards wearing a white shirt that had her album titles written on it. At that point, Swift had seven albums, but her performing included eight dancers, which could signify the eighth lost mm. album. Mm-hmm. And a performance of her song, The Man, that was all about responding to her ownership battle with Braun. The reference to a mysterious eighth album could mean that Swift has been thinking about karma when she started her re-recordings. With two re-recordings already released, we know that we not only do we get Taylor's version of each song, but we also get from the vault tracks, which are songs that didn't make the original albums. Swift, being ever so careful and precise with her language, could be leaving us a major hint about karma. Once again, going back to Swift's Look What You Made Me Do video, fans pointed out there's a scene where Swift is inside a vault. In a video that already references karma, the vault connection gives gives us hope that she'll be releasing her secret album, buried the deepest inside it while we don't know the exact order or timeline of swiss recordings fans have other another theory about when we can expect each one referencing the graffiti scene and the man which we've talked about previously yeah um so according to fans swift has been dropping easter eggs suggesting that speak now is next following that order if fans are right after speak now we should get reputation and then 1989 and karma as a double release wow Okay, well, thank you for preparing that. Damn, okay. I mean, I, sometimes I show up. I sent you one Tic Tac, <laughs> and then here we go. You're off with it. and I, uh, You know I think, how I feel about these things, though. I don't want to get my hopes up. But this is pretty convincing. Yeah, you replied like, this is a lot. I don't know how to feel. I was like, <laughs> just, you you know what I mean? It's like, just take it with a grain of salt. Like, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. Yeah. You can't get super emotionally attached to that. But it is interesting. But that- I do still think Woodvale is a thing, but yep. I think it would be seashore. And I and I kind of believe in karma, you know? I do kind of believe in karma, and I, I think karma's real. Um, because I also think that looping back to the video I showed at the beginning, or played at the beginning of her rock version mm-hmm. of We Are Never Getting Back Together. She was teasing that era, that which era she always out. did at the end of every tour. She would sort of start to, like if you go back and look at the end of like um speak now she's wearing like red-esque yeah outfits you know and she, her trans it's clear that she's transitioning from country to pop right 
And a lot of people uh, do think that this was cut because Karma could have also included a lot of songs about Carly and their supposed romantic relationship. Who? Carly Kloss. Oh. And like Karma starting with a K. Okay. And so we said we weren't going to get into that kind of stuff. No. I will say there's a lot of people who think that she's already come out in her way to the fans that she wants to, right? Like with her bisexual pride flag in her hair and like saying thank you to the allies and like the me music video and all these different things. But um, if you all want to look into that, just a quick Google search and you can find a full rabbit hole of information. (laughs) All right. So are you ready for Taylor Trivia? Did you prepare this one? Uh Uh-huh. Oh, thank goodness. (laughs) I was like, uh, yeah. Okay, I'm going to give you song titles. Okay. And I'm going to give you three seconds to tell me the album they're from. Okay. All right. It's nice to have a friend. Lover. Dress. Reputation. You belong with me. Fearless. Ours. uh, Speak now. I'm only me when I'm with you. Oh, shoot. Is it debut? Yeah. Okay. It's like a bonus track, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Woo! Pretty good there. Hey! Not bad. That's one game that I always want to play is, um, and I did when we did her 30th birthday birthday party. I feel like I would have been so much better now because I've just, my knowledge has just grown like exponentially since that Do you remember who won? I think... Did Elizabeth win? I think Elizabeth won. Cause Who did an episode for the Swifterhood? The Olivia Rodrigo one, y'all. Because um, Allie and I were on the same team. And mm-hmm. this was before I, I did a very... It's before I got into Reputation. So I think I was... There was a lot of Reputation songs that I wasn't able to pinpoint. Mm-hmm. I just remember that there were some uh, colleagues, some guys who thought like because we were all hanging out like oh party and tried to like stop in and then we were not hospitable at all. at all and we were just focused on taylor swift and like watching the reputation stadium tour and like eating that amazing cake <laughs> yeah that that blonde mate it's yeah. amazing <laughs> and like doing all the trivia and games and stuff and so we didn't care and then pretty quickly they left They're like mm, okay bye <laughs> <laughs> bye yeah you weren't invited we did have one guy there though my colleague chad yes okay well it is time for plugs or we'll write your name <laughs> morgan <laughs> <laughs> we'll write your name you can buy us a whiskey on ice which is basically our support website where you can just sort of use i guess it's like venmo or paypal one of the two to support the show a great way to support the show is to rate and review our podcast and uh download the episodes you can also follow us on social media we are swifterhood podcast pretty much everywhere twitter swifterhood p and you can email us with your thoughts on the songs which we have not received an email for a hot minute so send us an email and you know we're recording episodes in bulk so i'm starting to tweet and use instagram for trying to get you all to send me some thoughts and i get so few responses so i just want to encourage you please send me your thoughts like you know we're not looking for like i love this song but you know if you have anything like you know what grace shared about this twin songs and how they marry each other that's the kind of information that's useful and that we like to share you know 
Definitely. Yeah. We want to include you guys in this. But don't sell yourself short and thinking like what I have to say is not important. Like it could be anything really, you know. Uh, so swifterhoodpodcast at gmail.com. And I have been working on some season two merch. Whoa. That I can show you here in a second. Okay. So we might be that that might already be out. People listening to this might be like, yeah, you posted about that months ago on Instagram. <laughs> I don't know because I haven't lived the future yet. If only we could. <laughs> All right, Morgan, let's go get some lunch. Peace out. Love you. Bye. Bye.